Ah, oh, Father, <laughs> we come here today because we want to meet with you. It's been long. So many things have taken place. And life gets in the way of living. So this morning, in this short period of time we have, meet with us. Speak to us. Remind us. Draw us into heaven itself and to your kingdom. Thank you as you do that. For we asked it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today we're in Galatians chapter 2. We're starting with verse 11. And we're going to talk about the most important thing that is ever mentioned throughout the Bible. It's the most important thing in your life. Nothing more important. It's the area in which Paul calls it the good news that he gave his life to. He says, it's the only reason that I chose to be who I am because I understood, I began to comprehend what the good news was. Had a good friend uh, this week whose uh, mother uh, died. His mom died in their home with them. It's the Tisthammers. You know the Tisthammers, right? Jack and Kathy, and they're up in Colorado now members of our church who um, for Mary and I have known for 30 years. Wow. Amazing. But um, the Lord has kept them close. And their mom, Esther, who was living here, and they just moved her up there to Colorado to, to be with them for the last few uh, weeks of her life. They knew she was dying. And they said, we want to bring her here. So they did. And uh, Matthew was talking about uh, the relationship there. He said, so if, He'd come in in the mornings, and he'd share with her and to pray with her. And she would wake up, and she would say, ah, why am I not there yet? <laughs> How long do I have to wait? And he'd say, it's coming soon, Grandma. It's coming soon. It's the Lord's going to bring you home. So I said, oh, it's just such a, a, a tender time as she was brought in and uh, her her strong awareness of the kingdom of God within her that she was being brought to, moving into heaven. And today that's what I'm really talking about, this, this assurance of eternal life, of heaven itself. Uh, fun story, Sunday school teacher. She's uh, talking about to the young kids about how they're going to get to heaven. And so she would say, okay, if I gave all of my money Gave my car, you know, uh, everything I own and put it into the, into the offering and gave it to the Lord. Would that get me to heaven? And they said, resounding, no. no. And she, that's right. she said, well, if I worked and cleaned up around the church and I painted the whole church, I spent, you know, did a, did a Steve Lazar. I made everything look really, really good. Hey, I just, I just, I worked my tail off, and I was, and I just know, man, I did everything for God. Would that get me into heaven? No. no. And he said, he said, okay, well, how about if I love my wife and and my pastor, and you know, and I gave him everything I have, and I thought, well, maybe that would work, but no. It's just... <laughs> and he said, 
No. And the kid in the back said, No, you got to die to get to heaven. You got to die to get to heaven. Isn't that the problem? <sighs> I got to die to get there. I, I talk to a lot of people and often share about, you know, if you were to die today, you know, do you feel comfortable that you, that you get into heaven? You know what the most common response is? Guess. Said, I hope so. I hope so. Wow. That's your response to eternity. I hope so. Ooh. I hope there's more <laughs> direction to us in life than I hope so, that I'm going to get into heaven. I think that's what Paul is speaking to today, this, this issue of getting into heaven. And they say, well, and then the second response is this. Well, I'm a pretty good person, isn't it? I'm a pretty good person, so I think God will let me in. I said, because you're a good person? They go, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. I go, the problem is, how good is good enough? Because you know, I, I, I dealt with this thing too. We always like to think, good people go to where? Yeah, and bad people go to... Yeah, we just got to figure out who's good and who's bad. The struggle is everyone has a different idea of what good is. So when I became a Christian, I, I was dealing with some of these issues and I, I, I leaned towards Buddhism. You know why? All the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth chances... You die, you get reincarnated. You die, you reincarnate. Keep going, you know, until finally you get there. I said, that's a great idea. Just keep on going. Never ends. We just kind of do, do, do. And only the really, really bad ones end up in hell because they refuse to, to uh, move on. Siddhartha, Herman Hesse, I, was, I had fun reading some of those things. I said, yeah, that's where I'm at. But I didn't really believe it because the problem was all I really thought about was well, as long as you're good enough, you'll get into heaven. If you study the Muslim religion, you'll find this is, this is what good enough is. The only people that are, that are assured of getting to heaven, assured, are the martyrs. Give you a better understanding of willingness to die. If you die serving God, then you're going to heaven. Everybody else, if you're good enough. Literally, that's what it says. If you're good enough. Well, how do I know? How do I know if I'm, if I'm, if I'm good enough? Uh, this smorgasbord of religions just ends up with a stomach ache. I'm just going, I, I, I just, I don't know what's supposed to happen. It's kind of like, you know, they've got teachers, they grade teachers on them on the basis of how their classes are. And you go into the class and the teacher says, it's so good to have you guys here. I want you to come back for the final at the end of the semester. Everybody goes, huh? Yeah, we'll give you the final, then your grade will be based on the final. And says, okay, well, what's the final going to consist of? I'll tell you then. That teacher gets an F on rate my teacher. <laughs> terrible teacher. Terrible. You show up for the K race. How many Ks is it? Haven't decided. Where are we going to run? Don't know. How's that on me put together? You'll find out. Really? I don't want to run that race. Surely, if God is God, he has provided us at least some clarity in relationship to how... We can get to heaven. So he sent somebody down to tell us, somebody who was in heaven comes down and says, okay, hey, been there, done that. This is how you can as well. That should be what's taking place here. So I no longer have to find myself saying, how good is good enough? And then I just kind of put it in the back of my mind. 
And I just sing, don't worry, be happy, don't worry, be happy. But in the back of my mind, I'm going, I think I'm going to go to hell. I don't think I'm good enough. Now, I don't think that way at all. Okay, but that was my thought before. It was always there, stirring around. Is there some kind of direction? Paul put it this way. He says, the most important thing in all my life is I commit, complete my mission. The work that Jesus gave me to tell people the good news about God's grace. The good news about God's grace. So today when I want to talk about, I want to call what I call the grace rule. It shouldn't have been rules. It should be rule. The grace rule. I know that's kind of an oxymoron. Grace rules like military intelligence. But uh, the grace rule. What that is. What, what that means. Uh, that's what... Paul is dealing with when he comes upon Peter here and he's trying to help him understand the difference between being clean and being justified before God. The, the clean concept is, you've got to go mosaic law ideas of clean versus unclean and how you continue to be in that position. If you weren't, if you're unclean, you'd clean yourself up and get back in the right position. Then you want to stay clean by doing the right things in the right way with the right people. And that was a mosaic concept. Uh, but he changes our thought process after he steals, deals with Peter a little bit. And he talks about the Roman concept of justification. Just as if I'd never sinned, we could use that term. Of being justified before God. And here's what he comes down to. I want you to get this. This is, this is the key to the message. The message is, Paul says it over and over again. And it's so hard. I've been, I've been a Christian for, well... Um, 44 years now, something like that, and I still struggle with this. I have my entire life because I'm a competitor, and that's this. Jesus plus nothing equals what? Everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Say that with me. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I always want to add. I, I desperately want to add. I've, I've got you guys on different levels. I'm confessing. Some of you I go, you know, you're, you're like, you're a really good Christian. And some of you are okay. And some of you I'm not even sure. See, and you know how I determine that? I look at you and I say, well, they're doing this or they're doing that. And Paul, and God reminds me, he said, Lee... Lee, and I go, yes, yes, Lord. Jesus plus what? Equals what? And I go, oh, that's right. Why are you making a stupid judgment? Lee, you're smarter than that. You're better than that. Don't do that. And that's today's text. It's talking about a confrontation between two apostles. Peter and Paul, the apostle to the Jews, Peter, the apostle to the Gentiles, Paul. They're kind of like the two top guys, if you want to get it that way. And they're going to have a little fist fight in front of everybody. Not really. But they're going to have a verbal confrontation. And in the midst of that confrontation, they're going to clarify some simple truths. So justification by faith, a practical example is that we start off and Paul deals with this concept of clean versus unclean. Let's begin to look at the text itself and it says this, but when Peter came to Antioch, 
Remember Peter. Now, if we make our studies in Acts, remember that Peter leaves Jerusalem because he's kind of being chased out. He doesn't want to get killed anymore. He's been in and out of prison. He's tired of it. He goes, okay, I'm out of here. And he gives the church over to James, Jesus' brother. And so James is now the head of the church in Jerusalem. And Peter leaves and he goes down to, we didn't know where, Antioch. He goes down to Antioch and he goes to the church here in Antioch that Paul has established, which is primarily Gentile believers. Okay? He came to Antioch. Paul says, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was, and you could even circle it, very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not, got that special word there, circumcised. This should be up here, guys. We should be reading it as we're, as we're doing it. Who were not circumcised. We won't talk about what that means, but you guys can look it up later. Okay? But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of what? Circumcision. You must be circumcised. You must be identified with the Jewish race and with the Jewish calling and the Abrahamic government and and the Mosaic directive. You must be circumcised because it says in your flesh that you are committed to God. As a result, other Jewish believers who were in the church followed Peter's hypocrisy, even Barnabas. Paul is shocked. Even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. So he said, I opposed him publicly. Public confrontation. This is the grace rule practice. The grace rule practice. If you ever have to confront somebody in, in your walk with the Lord, this should be the primary thing that you oppose publicly. Now, this is opposed publicly because Peter said it publicly. Okay? It should be done privately when we're in private areas and publicly when we're in private areas. And that's the basic principles when we talk about confrontation of somebody who's involved in something. If it's a public thing, when we deal with it publicly. If it's a public speaker and he's done it publicly, we need to deal with that publicly so everybody knows. If it's private, it should be done privately. I want to do it with you one-on-one. We follow what people would call the Matthew 18 principle, if you know that. It's a scripture that talks to us about how to uh, interact with one another and bring about reconciliation or back to bring us back to togetherness. It's called how to confront one another appropriately. All right. That's a side issue. Side issue. So this grace rule is practice. They're fighting. And he said, what are they fighting about? Well, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but now he's got a Jews only eating area. Okay. So they're over at faith cafe, literally faith cafe. They're all sitting down. And in faith cafe, you've got a roll over here and it says Jews only circumcised only. Okay, and there's Peter and the rest of them over there. On the other side, it says Gentiles who are not circumcised, and they eat over here. And it's separate. Paul walks in the room and goes, what? Who did this? Who did this? And Peter raises his hand. He says, Peter, what were you thinking? What caused you to do this? This is horrendous. You are messing with God's grace. You're messing with the good news. How dare you do this? Stop it now and straighten up. You, get over on that table. You, come over to this table. 
And that's what's taking place here. He says, you know that what God calls clean is clean. You remember that special vision you got there, Peter? Yeah, yeah. They're no longer polluted. Instead, you're letting people put on the mask, hypocrisy, the word for here is mask, of Jesus plus ideas. As you're doing, put on the mask, Jesus plus. Hey, I'm really good. I'm better than you anyway. Maybe you'll get to heaven. Maybe not. You got to do this, you know. That's the struggle. That's the, that's the crime. Paul says, not acceptable. No. Not one iota. Stop it now. When we share together in this declaration of grace that we call communion, it's done on the basis of the grace of God. There is no plus. It's that and that alone. There's no race. There's no religion. There's just Jesus. No Gentile table. No Jew table. We all eat together or we don't eat at all. It's like, whoa, Paul, hefty. See, and I know, but this is so important. This is the good news. This is what I gave my life up for and you're not going to mess it up, Peter. How dare you, Peter? Poor Peter. I thought, this poor guy. It's like he steps into it constantly. You thought he was done with Jesus. No, he's back in it again. I go, oh man, this is such an incredible, wonderful, glorious man of God. And he keeps stepping in it. And Paul calls him. He says, when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message... I said to Peter in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? He's calling them out. Now, hold it. You were eating with the Gentiles. We all know you were. You were doing that and you were comfortable with it and you were right. Come on, man. That's what he's saying. He's saying, come on, man. You know better than this. What is happening? You need to follow the truth trail that leads us to a relationship with God. Not this false trail that leads us back into a sense of egotism. I'm better than you are because I can do more things than you can do. I'm smarter than you are because I know more parts of the Bible than you. I've got all this memorized. You're just a neophyte. You know, you'll get there one of these days, maybe. And you'll be able to quote all these wonderful passages from the Bible that I know. And that you may one day come to comprehend. Whoa, really? Pastor Lee, you need to get off your high horse. You need to get on your knees and pray that God will forgive you because you're in trouble. What, 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 what? That's what he's talking about. Peter had fallen into nationalism. We're not good enough because of race or religion, but we can be good enough if we'll just do all the stuff that you're doing. This idea that you had to accept certain Jewish habits in order to be fully saved. You're good, but not quite good enough to get into heaven. Not quite good. You want to be good enough? Circumcision, baby. Really? Ow, the cut. <laughs> I said, are we going to be checked at the door? Ouch! 
I mean, this is brutal. He's saying, hold it, what are you doing? It's not about how you were born or what you can do. That's the Jesus plus concept. It's not about who I was born with, whether I was born as a Jew, whether I was born as a Gentile. Whether I was... It doesn't matter what your birth is. You're Irish. My wife is Irish. They even let the Irish into heaven. I'm English. We went to a little bar in Boston and we walked in and, and the guy starts talking to me in Gaelic and I'm looking at him like, are you kidding me? I just came for the lobster. And he takes me to the table and we sit down and we go order the lobster. And I'm kind of smiling, thinking smart of myself. This is kind of cute. I'm the English guy in here. Then the band got up and started singing. You know what their song was? Kill all the English. Kill all the English. I said, I'm a McNeil. I'm a McNeil. I'm with her. This is the struggle that's going on. He says, hey, you don't need to become a Jew to be saved. You knew better than you knew, Peter, that you gave up this concept of Jewishness in terms of your nationalism and your race in order to become a follower of Jesus. It doesn't happen. It doesn't have to be that. You don't have to be a Republican to become a Christian. You don't have to be a Democrat to become a Christian. Liberal, conservative, rich, poor, black, white. We all struggle with different cultural emphasis that are different. So we, like Peter, we choose to sit with these people in church. I'll sit with most of you in church. But don't expect me to eat with you in public. Don't talk to me if I'm over sitting down having something to eat at Fleming's. Don't come over to me and say, hey, Pastor Lee. I don't know you. No, you guys, please feel free to give me anything. I'll give you a big hug and say, yeah. You know, I love people because God gave me that love. And he's saying to Peter, Peter, you love people. What are you doing? That's really what he's doing. He said, Peter, come on, man. This is not you. Why are you wearing that mask? You know better. And Peter does know better. You see, only the grace rule enables us to be good enough. It's not about I don't dance, I don't sing, I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't. It's not about the I don'ts. It's about the grace of Jesus. The principle is simple. God chose us and we chose him on the basis of who he is and what he has done. It's not simply that racism is a sin, which it is, but that it's resistance to the gospel of salvation. That's why he's crying to Peter. Hey, Peter, you're being racist telling them they have to become a Jew. But the issue here is not that. The issue here is you are trying to tell people that there's something other than simply a response to what Jesus has done and who he is to become a Christian. Pete, why don't you come on up? I'm going to do this song here. When you treat others like you're misrepresenting God's grace, which you are full of, you need to stop it. You need to take off the mask of better than. Got to take it off. It's not like you. He says, you don't need approval from men, Peter. You have approval from God. This is not like you. You must lead others to take off the mask, not influencing them to wear one. When we walk into church and say, well, I don't want you to know this, but... Well, sometimes I don't want to know, so don't tell me, okay? 
the same time, but I don't want you to put on a mask that says, I, I'm all good. How many of you people here are really good? Only one. That's good. We'll talk to you later. But I understand what he's saying. He's saying, I'm good in the Lord. I said, that's right. You are justified in the eyes of God. You are righteous in the eyes of God because you sit below the cross of Christ and you say, Lord, God, thank you so much. That's the good news. The good news that grace plus nothing equals what? Everything. That's the good news. The grace rule. I got to confess, I, I, I have my little grandson, Brent. He, he plays baseball now. He's five, honey? Six, yeah, six. So he's six. And it is boring. You know how they play baseball? Oh, the kids get up. The kids get up to, to bat. And now they actually pitch to him. So they pitch to him. They pitch five pitches to him. And the kid's swinging away trying to hit him. If he can't hit anything, I go, okay, he's out of there. No, 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 no. Then they bring over the t-ball element, and they set the t-ball thing down with the ball on top, and they say, okay. And the kid is swinging. He can't even hit the ball off the tee thing. And he keeps the kid going, and he keeps swinging until finally hits it. And they go, run, run. He goes, oh, what? Run, run. Huh? Now, Brent has got my competitive thing. He's grabbing a hold of the ball and running to first base to tag the guy out. I tell him, dude, there are no outs in this game. Everybody gets there. And he gets to first, and then the next guy gets up, and they all go around, and then they all go, and everybody goes home free. <laughs> They've got the grace rule running. <laughs> hey, guess what? All of you here, we're under the grace rule. We all get to get home free. It's not about your hits. But Lord, I'm pretty good. Doesn't matter. You wouldn't have got there. But now, we all get there. We're going to share in communion. Wonderful declaration of God's grace. I'm going to ask some of my elders to go in the back here. You know, Rich, you want to take the back one? Notice it's side to side now so that people can come on both sides. I have a couple more over here. Eric, you want to grab this table? And Mr. Wright. Mr. Straight, uh, right, straight, you know, it just seems like they both go together, don't they? Go into his, and we're going to come here, and we're going to take in this wonderful communion. We're going to declare to one another the grace rule. I'm good enough to get into heaven. Because the one who is already there and already came and already went back said... You're good enough, Lee. You recognize that I died on the cross for your sins, not for myself, but for you, so that you could be good enough. I said, thank you, Lord, that I no longer have to depend upon my ideas or my intelligence or lack thereof or my abilities, but I depend upon you. Father, we come to you today and thank you that we get to share in this wonderful time, reminding ourselves of the grace that you pour into our lives because we have received the gift of Jesus. The one who died so that I would not have to. The one who gives me a relationship now with you that continues forever. Thank you, Father. Now as we gather together in this time, bless us as we share one with another and with you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody stand. 
Lord's spoken to you, I know, because he's spoken to me. And he's reminded us of the wonder of the grace of Jesus poured into our lives and the necessity of hearing his word and then yielding to that truth. Submitting to that truth, realigning with that truth. But, see, Paul knew that Peter needed a little bit more teaching. And he says, I'm going to use a different word now. Instead of just cleansing, I'm going to talk about being justified. It's, it's a theological thing. So I'm going to, God makes you right with God because of your faith. It's, it's, it's a picture of you become uh, the best thing I can come up with. You get diplomatic immunity. You become part of the kingdom of God and you're brought into this place. You have diplomatic immunity. God says from this point on, even when you sin, you're not going to be held. You're not going to be held. You're not going to be held. There you go. Accountable for it. Instead, my son's going to take care of that problem. You're going to continue to share with people the wonderful grace of Jesus. Greater than all my sin. That's what he's saying. You and I are Jews by birth, Peter. We're not sinners like the Gentiles. What it means is you're not part of that race that didn't get to have the wonder of receiving the law through God and going through all this process. But we know that a person is made right, made right, made right with God by faith in Jesus, not by obeying any law. We have believed in Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith. Not because we obeyed the law. No one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. If we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we're found guilty because we have abandoned the law, would that mean that Christ has led us into sin? No, 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 no. He said, I'd be a sinner if I chose to rebuild the old system of law that I tore down and build up a new one. I have a new system of laws you need to follow. You've got to be a Baptist, not a Methodist. You've got to be evangelical, not historical or hysterical. You've got to be something. Don't rebuild a new system of law. I'd be a sinner if I rebuild the law. When I tried to keep the law, it condemned me, so I died to law, period. I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all of its requirements. Now I live for God. My old self, it's died with Jesus. It's been crucified with him. It's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me, and now I serve him. I don't treat the grace of God as meaningless. If keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Jesus to die. Then there was no need for Jesus to die. No, not one. Yet, nada, never. Nothing can be added to. It's grace plus nothing equals what? Everything. So as we close with these songs, we're going to sing a couple songs just to give you a chance to, I want you to think about this truth. You may write down on the prayer request there and say, Lord, help me to get this. Whatever it is, we're just going to contemplate. Got five minutes, maybe seven minutes? Sit and think. Pray. We're going to have, I've got some elders up here. I've got, I've got people all over. You can come up front if you want to pray with somebody. You can pray with somebody in your seat. Whatever you want to do, but we're going to sing some songs, just a couple of songs, and just think, Lord, speak to me. Remind me of your grace. Embedded in my soul that it's you plus nothing. You plus nothing. Listen, sing, enjoy, and we'll close this in about five minutes.